Hallelujah. Amen. That's that spirit that keeps you young and alive and amen until the rapture. Amen. We're going to get a new body to go along with that freshness. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us that hope and the fulfillment of that promise. God is true. Amen. God is true to his promises. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Looking forward to this great Easter service this coming Sunday, the great extravaganza. I'm too old to do the Easter egg hunt, but I may be here to, uh, to see what the kids men do. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hope you're going to have a great time getting together with family and uh, gathering around uh, a table and remembering what this holiday is all about. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with having a feast on, on Christian holidays. Let's face it. You look at the Old Testament holidays God gave the Israelites, all of them were feasts. <laughs> Except Yom Kippur, you know. I mean, there, there were feast days. God wanted his people to celebrate and gather around the table, particularly with family, and invoke the presence of God and the promises of God and the blessings of God and be thankful for everything that they have. Amen. Let's concentrate on the things we have and not the things we don't have. Hallelujah. Let's be thankful for what we do have. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for standing. Uh, I want to turn your attention, please, to the Word of God in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Matthew chapter 16. We're continuing the Basics of Christianity series. This will be number six. I got one more left to go. And uh, tonight we'll be talking about the church. And uh, it's, it's basic in some respects. In other respects, I believe you'll see some new insights and some new uh, things that even I haven't seen before until now. And that's what I love about the Word of God. I've been in this thing 47 years, and I'm still learning. If you think you know it all, man, I envy you. Hallelujah. Uh, but God is the one who leads. You know, the Bible says... Paul said this. This great guy who spoke four languages wrote half the Bible. He says, we, 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 we uh, prophesy in part. We know in part and we prophesy in part. In other words, we don't have it all. Nobody as an individual, no matter how great of a gift he's got from God to preach the gospel in any one of the fivefold ministries, nobody has it all. And so you can labor all your life and, and not really come to the full knowledge of of a lot of things. Yes, basic knowledge about God and salvation, yeah. Deeper things, yes, but not everything. There's some things that God will hold until that day. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen, amen, and that day's coming soon. Amen. Praise God. All right, uh, we're missing the youth. There's no youth class tonight. They're all in St. Charles and the Missouri Youth Camp, Youth Convention. And uh, so that's why, you know, we got some more skimpy uh, crowded tonight, but I'm thankful for everybody that's here. Amen. And they're going to have a great celebration. We're going to have a great celebration right here. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. Uh, we're starting with Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. Thank you for standing for the word of God. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? And he said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, Elijah, and others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Messiah, in other words, Christ in Greek, Messiah in Hebrew, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, 
for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, this revelation, I will build my church. I will build my church. The church belongs to Jesus. It doesn't believe, belong to the UPCI. It doesn't belong to you and I, the Apostolic Church of Belleville. It doesn't belong to the Pope. It doesn't belong to the, Lutheran, the Lutherans. It doesn't believe that it belongs to the Baptists. It doesn't belong to any denomination. It belongs to Jesus Christ who shed his blood for each and every one who believes on him. Amen. And so I say to Simon Barjona, Peter, hallelujah, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, calling attention to verse 18, I will build my church, hallelujah, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus builds the church. Along with that, Ephesians chapter 1, the apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church, and thereby to you and I, about uh, Jesus Christ and what God did through his human manifestation, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding uh, would be open, etc. Verse 19, to see what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought or brought forth and manifest and, and completed in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. It doesn't mean location. It means uh, power and authority and dependency. And that God, the almighty, the invisible spirit, accomplished through that humanity what he could not do in the spirit. And that is to shed blood. So he set him at his right hand, meaning all power and authority was uh, was. Uh, imparted upon that glorified, resurrected body that God manifests himself in, as we know Jesus Christ, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Notice there's the world to come. Don't be so attached to this one. Hallelujah. I want, to, I want to be in a world to come. And verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him, talk about Christ, to be the head. Everybody say head. head. Over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Jesus is the head and the church worldwide, internationally is the body, all right? And we're going to look at that last but not least. I want us to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 13, back to Matthew again. Sorry about this seesaw here, but uh, there's a a specific method to my madness, if you want to call it that, in going back to this particular scripture. And it is because this is what I will finish up with. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, as Jesus in this chapter uh, speaking many parables about the kingdom of heaven. And he says, again, the kingdom of heaven 
is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Amen. So I want to uh, focus tonight on the church, which is the great, which the pearl of great price. The church, the pearl of great price. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. We thank you, Lord God, for being our head, being our leader, our resurrected Savior, the firstborn from the dead. Lord, you are the one who called us out, and we are part of your body, and we're so thankful and privileged, and we worship you and praise you tonight. I pray that you give us illumination and our understanding, give us strength and courage, and give us, oh Lord God, a strong faith for the days to come and the many challenges that face us. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. I'll let the church say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thanks again for being here in Bible study. One of the things that you and I need to understand very quickly, particularly after you come into the church and afterwards, remembering this concept and this fact that the church is the body of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 tells us that we are baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether we're Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we've been all made to drink of that one spirit. Verse 18 in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. You know, God set you in his body. And we have all kinds of local assemblies internationally, worldwide. But when you come a, become a part of this body, it is God who sets you there. Verse 20, but now are the many members yet one body. We're many members, but we're all part of that one spiritual body. And in this spiritual body, everybody in this church is equal. All are of same value. No one has lesser worth because we're all working together in the body of Christ to him, unto him who is the head. Jesus is still building this church. The real church of Jesus Christ is not man-made. It is not a human institution. It really isn't. It is a spiritual institution that Jesus conceived. It is Jesus that established the church through his death, burial, and resurrection, and by the shedding of his blood on Calvary. It is not a man-made institution. Hallelujah. And this, for this reason, only God can build a church. Nobody else. We can build a building. We can gather people together, and it could still not be a church. It's got to be God that has called those individuals. It has to be people that have been born into his invisible body before they can be called a member of the body of Christ in particular. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19, we read, all, read it already. I will build my church. And the word church is that term most frequently used in the New Testament. And it comes from that Greek word ecclesia. It means really from two different parts of that word, to call out, to call and be out from. So put it all together, it's basically we are the called out ones. We're called out from the world to be a part of his body. Amen. And the church 
Hallelujah. Began on the day of Pentecost, we all know. They were on one place, on one accord, and uh, they prayed, and the Holy Ghost was poured out. They all began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit of God gave the utterance, uh, and, uh, and, and that's where the church was born. And uh, we're about to celebrate that on the day of Pentecost, June 5th, and that's going to be a spe- another feast. But you can't just join the church. You know, you hear people say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join this church. I'm going to join that church. There's no such biblical concept as joining a church. It's not Bible. You have got to be born into it. There's no other way to get in the church of Jesus Christ. You're either born into it or you're not. Same thing in this world. Either you're born into this world and you've got life in you or you're not. You can't just join the human race without going through the natural birth process. Amen? It doesn't work that way. Hallelujah. John 3, 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And on the day of Pentecost, he answered his prayer. And he uh, manifested himself through this, and by the Spirit through Peter's preaching. When Peter ended up preaching, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, uh, in, in Romans 12, 5, uh, the apostle Paul writes, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There is not one member of this church, of this invisible church of Jesus Christ, that is more important than the other. We all have a role to play. Amen. Don't underestimate or minimize your role simply because your role differs from somebody else's. I think too often we compare ourselves to others. And Paul warned us about that, exhorted the church, saying, he that compares himself to others is not wise. Don't compare it to yourself to Andrea who can play the music so well and you've been wanting to play, you can barely plinker. I want to be like her. Well, is it your gifting? Is it your talent? Did God put it in there? I remember this one great coach to uh, uh, one of the men who, uh, who was competed against, uh, oh, I forget what his first name, the last name was Lindell. And he refused to run the Olympics back in the 1920s because it was on the Sabbath day, on, on, on Sunday. And he was a minister, and he, he did not want to run. And uh, there was another gentleman who was a Jewish fellow, and uh, he took his place in the 100 meters versus Lindell, and I think it was the 400 meters. Uh, and and, and, and this, the Jewish fellow, no, this, no uh, this is not, I'm not casting stones. I'm just stating facts, okay? Uh, to him, it didn't matter if it was Sunday because that was not his Sabbath. So he, he took that day, and Linda, both of them ended up uh, getting a run. But, but that, that one fellow who ran 100 meters, he thought he would be racing against Lindell. And he, my goodness, he watched him and said, there is no way I can overcome that. And his coach told him, listen, you can't put in a person what God left out. I never forgot that. Amen. In fact, the story, Chariots of the Fire, is the, uh, the story of this event. That was out in the 70s. I don't even know if it's still available right now. 
But uh, in any case, I'll never forget that statement, uh, how true it is. You can't put in what God left out. Don't try to get a gift that God left out of you. Use the one you got. Don't compare yourself to, other, to somebody else because they got a gift that you want, and they may be more prominent than you in the eyes of people. That's not where God placed you. Your gifting is different. Make the most of it. Utilize it in the, in the body of Christ because that's the only way that you'll ever feel fulfilled and content. You'll be always discontented and unsatisfied when you look at somebody else and you want to be like them. Don't do that. Turn your neighbor and say, don't do that. Please don't do that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So we need each other. That's the bottom line. We have to understand we're dependent on one another. And this is what, why God created different gifts and different people so that you don't have it all. So you need the gift that Brother Jardy has, and uh, you need the gift that, that Brother Brian has, or, or Sister Han, or Sister Sue. And, you know, I need all of your gifts. I don't have it all. You've got things I don't have. Oh, yeah, but you're the pastor. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, God called me to this position. He didn't give it to me all. Hallelujah. We're, I'm no different. And I'll say this. There's, there's preachers among us who have different giftings and callings for evangelism, for teaching, for, pro, for prophetics, and, and for evangelism and all things that come with a different anointing. It's maybe it's the, same, it's the same spirit, but a different gifting. So I cannot compare myself to another priest or another apostle. Paul even said, he says, when he's writing a letter to Rome, reading the first chapter, he says, I am ready to preach the gospel unto you in Rome also. In fact, he preceded by saying, as much as lieth in me, as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel uh, to you at Rome also. So I don't have it all, but whatever I got, as much as is in me, I'm going to give it to you. See? So we have to come to an understanding with all this. When you're in the body of Christ, it's Jesus who's building this church, not you and not me. It is not a human institution. It's a spiritual institution. And you can't call somebody in the church, you know what I'm saying? Now we can invite them, but you can't call them into the church unless Jesus calls them. That's why the Bible says, no man cometh to another father except he be drawn. You can invite them, but you can't draw them. And that's a spiritual thing. But that's why we pray. God, draw people. Bring them to this place. Give us an opportunity to, to share the truth with them. Amen. So we've got to understand, we're part of a great big body of God, of Christ. And, uh, and, and we depend upon each other. We cannot afford to live a life independent of the body. None of us are meant to live independently. Hallelujah. And uh, I, I think... Uh, when you look at the physical aspect of, of our human body, uh, you can see how the various members of the body are really dependent upon the other thing, the, the hands, the eyes, the heart, the liver, inside and out. As the body of Christ in a spiritual sense, we're all distinct too, just like our physical members are. Amen. But no one else is just like us. We're all different. We all have a different places and different callings and different talents, as I mentioned, and different functions for that matter. Uh, and and so, so we have to be careful and guard against jealousy and envy. 
uh, not to mention fulfillment and contentment. Hallelujah. Um, so one reason, in fact, to, 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 for us to follow after a life of, of holiness is because the head is holy. And if the head is holy, the body needs to be holy. Amen? Hallelujah. So it's not one thing for your head and something else for your body, right? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so we uh, are, in, every one of us, members in particular of the body of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.16 says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. I'm reading from the King James. And in fact, I'm going to turn to Amplified Bible in just a moment. I didn't tell you that, Sister Kayla. If you have Amplified on, there's a version that'd be great after this. I'll read the King James first. Uh, from whom the whole body, meaning Jesus, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's really difficult to follow and understand, particularly just hearing it uh, in the way that is described in the King James Version. So let's look at the Amplified. It says, For from Him, Jesus Christ, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied, when each part with power adapted from its need, uh, with power adapted to its need, working properly in all its functions, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. Hallelujah. Amen. It's not only a description of, of the human body, but the, but the spiritual body of Jesus Christ. That everybody, every one of us in a church has the function to fulfill, and it contributes to the growth of our local assembly in the body of Christ. We supply certain things, the nutrients, certain elements that is necessary for the growth of the body and to keep it together and to stick together. Just like your own physical body, for example. Uh, the, the foot provides stability and balance, standing upright. It also acts as a spring for our legs. And the older you get, you know what I'm talking about, it gets more and more difficult, you know, to spring. That's why when you get older, you don't jog anymore. You do a lot of walking. Why? Because you jog, you get older, you know, your knees, your cartilage is more brittle. You don't have that kind of, that, that bounce and that cushion in your knees like you used to. Nevertheless, your legs do provide still a certain amount of cushion with every step that you take. The foot propels us. The foot helps me to go in any particular dish, uh, this, uh, direction I need to go. Amen. But the foot is totally different from in the other part of the body but it's still joined together to the rest of the body. Hallelujah. And it's the same blood that supplies all the need to the legs as is supplied to every other member of the body, seen and unseen. There's a blood flow. There's a blood circulation. Amen. And the, the foot can propel you and make you go forward, but without the eye seeing, and without the brain functioning to direct you, your feet could only take us in uncertain directions. I mean, where would your foot go if, if you didn't have the head telling it where to go? You just go. You know? 
So you've, you've got to be connected to the brain. And, and, and God is trying to convey this concept to us that it's important for us as a body to be connected to the head. Because if we want to go in the right direction, and as Christ is building his church, we need to be connected to get the right signals so that you who are part of the feet and those who are part of the eye or the hear, amen, they could hear the word of God and maybe give a word of prophecy that we need. Or those of you who are the ones who have the gift of miracles. Well, but we have all to be at a place where God wants us to be uh, in the body of Christ. God help us to have this complete body in our assembly at the Apostolic Church in Belleville. Amen. It's God's will. Amen. I'm willing, and, uh, and I know many of you are as well. Praise God. You know, when you find your body in the body of Christ, uh, we have to be careful not to allow anybody to discourage us. Although this sometimes <laughs> some people mean well, others don't. Some of us just get carnal and, and they may offend or cause someone to get discouraged from doing what God called them to do. Amen. Now, if they have gone through the, process, the vetting process and they've gone through uh, uh, the pastoral and the pastoral staff, uh, approval, and, and they have, have lined up with the, with the tenants of the church, and they have been called into certain work, and, and we're using them in certain areas, don't try to discredit them. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to make mistakes, but, but, you know, don't discredit and minimize the gifting. What we want to do is, is utilize everyone's gift and talent in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And as pastor, I, I, I look for your gifts. I, I, I know that, uh, that if, if, if I see certain gifts in you, I know that, that if you don't put that gift to use pretty soon in the body, you're going to get disappointed. You're going to be hanging out on a, on a branch like that's withering and dying. It's just the way it is. I don't, I don't overtly push anybody in those areas, but I watch for their giftings. But those giftings, a lot of times, will not be able to be utilized to a great extent until a commitment is made. The first commitment is faithfulness. Faithfulness to God, faithfulness to message, faithfulness to what we stand for. Amen. It's got to start there. Uh, but if they're not, if they're, you know, lackadaisical, if they're half-hearted, well, we're going to wait until something happens in the heart. In the meantime, we try to have good services. We try to preach the truth. We try to have evangelists. We try to have great uh, meetings so that the, the, the people who are on the fringes or those who are half-hearted would get the fire lit under them. And that's why your participation in church service is so important, to give it your all because we're, we're one body, amen, together. And, and if, if that fire is burning, it can help somebody overcome their half-heartedness and put their everything into it and say, I'm ready. I, I got to do something. I just can't sit here on the pew. And then they come say, well, what can I do? Well, glad you asked that question. <laughs> Next is preparation. We'll prepare you. And then we're going to put you to work. Praise the Lord. Because that's what you do in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Occupy till I come. Go out there and preach the gospel. Hallelujah. But listen, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. 
because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood that ties us and binds us together. And that's important. You know, Leviticus 17.11 said, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. There can be no life in us without blood. And the blood of Jesus Christ runs through his body. Amen. And it's not only physically, but also spiritually. Hallelujah. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, that's a spiritual application of the blood. Not physical, but it has eternal life as a well. It's, it's a well of salvation. The Holy Ghost is springing up in you. Amen. That's blood circulation. And, uh, and you know, in the body, we have different kinds of tissue. But the blood supplies all the need to every one of the organs and every one of the different kinds of, of, of tissue. You know, the heart pumps about uh, every 23 seconds, I think it was five quarts. Am I around enough, Brother Brian? About five quarts of blood that we got in the body. That's all we have. And in 23 seconds, the entire five quarts is pumped through our entire circulatory system. Every 23 seconds. And every cell in the body is provided with oxygen, with nutrients, and whatever it needs to keep on functioning. In your muscles, your joints, your brain, your heart, your lungs, all of that every 23 seconds. And if your blood circulation stops, you stop living physically. Amen. Because that blood keeps on circulating. Hallelujah. And it never stops. What a great body God gave us. What an amazing thing that is. Uh, so so it's, it's, uh, it's the same in the body of Christ. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, when we're born again, it's applied to us. And we're cleansed by that precious blood. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. And we become a part of his body when we're born into it. And his blood flows your body and mine. The church. The church that we're part of. And it supplies all our needs. And not just supplies all the needs, but it removes all the waste. Mmm, hallelujah. Think about that. Five quarts of blood in the body, and not only supplies everything you need, but it also removes, cleanses the blood. It takes out all the garbage, all the waste that your body doesn't use, and it's eliminated in the usual ways. Yeah. Hallelujah. God ordained it. Ha. Huh. Jesus said, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles you, what comes out. Amen. They're your speech. He says, what comes through your mouth, it goes out into the drop. Hallelujah. Jesus said that. Amen. And so, but the beautiful thing about it is not only does that blood provide everything we need, but it also takes away all the bad stuff that would poison us. Excessive stuff. Not everything, obviously. There's some things that can't eliminate because of our habits and the things that we ingest the body wasn't designed for. And I'm not, I'm not trying to qualify that. The bottom line is, is that, that our, our blood is designed to eliminate waste. And it's the same thing of the blood of Jesus in the body of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only does the blood provide everything we need, it also eliminates all that garbage all that waste that comes in our lives when we mess up, when we do the things that we're not supposed to. And we know better, but we trip up and fall flat on our face and, and we somehow violate the principles of the, of the Word of God. And we say, Lord God, I'm sorry. 
forgive me. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he, our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us. Amen. Of our, our, our righteousness and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Faithful to forgive us for all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He eliminates that sin. He eliminates that, that, that garbage. He cleanses us by his blood. That's how we overcome, right? How do they overcome the, the, the Antichrist and, and the devil? By the word of the testimonies and by the blood of the Lamb. That's how we overcome, by the blood. Praise the name of the Lord. And uh, so we, we are a part of this body uh, that is uh, in, in constant flow uh, of the blood of Jesus Christ in our midst, spiritually speaking. And we're constant communication with him. He's the head, we're the body. And uh, we need, that's why we need to pray, every one of us individually. Amen. Everyone has sinned. We all have a different role. The blood supplies to all the different parts and, and members. We need to communicate with God because there may be uh, something in you that you need to supply to somebody else in the body. Hallelujah. And God sends you, so pay attention to the head. Hallelujah. It doesn't have to come through the pastor, you know. I'm just part of the body. I'm just another cell. I just only have authority for certain things and certain realm, certain realms and certain responsibility. My role is different, but my position is the same in the body. I mean, just as much need as anybody else. And we're interdependent upon one another. And thanks be to God that Jesus purchased this church by himself and for himself. I quoted this before, and you know the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. He's referring here to, you know, to Jewish traditions. He said, you did not receive your salvation here uh, by, those, by those vain traditions of, of animal sacrifice and rituals that you used to do under the law of Moses. No, it's not by those things and not by gold or silver, uh, not any other corruptible thing, not certainly the blood of animals. But he says... Uh, uh, from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Notice he mentions with the precious blood of Christ. He doesn't just say with the blood of Christ. He could have just said blood and be totally accurate. But he chose by the, by the motivation, inspiration of the Holy Ghost to say precious blood. Because that's exactly what that was. And I talked about that on the night of salvation. We talked about salvation the last time, right? About why the blood of Jesus was so special, why it was so valuable. Because it was sinless. It was the only person that was ever born without sin, next to Adam, of course. But he's the second Adam. And, and he was born without sin, and his blood, blood was priceless because there was none other like it. Five quarts of sinless blood. Of all the great uh, gold that you can dig out of the earth, mountains of it, tons of it, they got, it's a precious commodity today. All the diamonds you can dig up, it's got great value. Titanium, great value. But it doesn't even hold a candle to the blood of Jesus because that was only five quarts, not tons. I told you why it was so special. Because it was sinless. And the value and worth of that blood was enough to pay the debt of every sin of all of mankind from all of history until the end of time. That's what makes it precious. And the scripture wants us to understand that and wants us to, uh, to comprehend that uh, when we look at our own redemption. 
redemption because he did redeem us by that precious blood. And when we say redeem, we're talking about uh, procuring the life of a captive or a, or a slave or by paying a price for them. Its meaning centers on the atoning work of the blood of Jesus Christ is the price paid for human redemption and on account of which Jesus Christ is called the Redeemer because he's the one that redeemed us by the shedding of his blood and paid the price for our sins by his sinless blood. And as the church, uh, the called out ones, we're told to do certain things. Hebrews 10.25 tells us that we are to come together and assemble. In fact, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But even more so as we see the day approaching of his return, to more so come together. Try, try in your own walk with God not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. If you, if you consider yourself a part of this body, this local assembly, the body of Jesus Christ, make it a, 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 your conviction, your goal to be here whenever the doors are open on regular church service nights or days. Hallelujah. It's incumbent upon you if you consider yourself part of your body. I mean, what if your, what if your liver decides to take the day off one day? Hmm? <laughs> what if your heart decides, you know what? I'm not going to beat today. I'm too tired. <laughs> You're a goner. Now, in the spirit, thank God, it's not like that in the body. He's merciful. And the Bible says that he's long-suffering and he's slow to anger. Amen. Thanks be to God. Yeah, we mess up, he doesn't just inhale and go, and sucks that Holy Ghost right out of you and you go. God is not that way. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But we are to assemble ourselves together. We need to, we need to be committed to the house of God. Hallelujah. In fact, he encouraged us to exhort one, but exhorting one another. So much so more as you see the day approaching. Exhorting one another. The word exhort means to, to urge earnestly, advise strongly. That's why in Romans 15, 1, Paul says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Amen. This means, means thinking about the others who are weaker than we are in the faith. Your presence in the church is important, not because we just, you know, want the preacher to feel good to see you in a pew sitting there, but there's an opportunity in altar calls. We have, we have time for prayer, and, and, and even before church or after church, you can, you can rely on the leading of the Spirit and see where God wants you to go and ask about a brother and sister in Christ how they are doing today. How are you doing today? If you ever have any ideas about being in ministry, start being an encourager. That's step number one. And you can only become an encourager if you take your eyes off of yourself and your needs and pray through first and give it to the Lord and then look around and say, okay, now who can I help? Who can I pray for? Who can I encourage today? When was the last time that you said an encouraging word to a fellow brother and sister in Christ? Now, I know 
that we do have days when we're, we've had a difficult day. And we may be sick in body. We may have been attacked by the devil. And we're bearing scars and we're hurt and our heads hanging down. But you shouldn't camp there. Nothing wrong with going through the valley of the shadow of death, but don't encamp there. Even David said, I, you're with me, I'll walk through. We got to walk through. We got to walk through by praying through. Pray through whatever you're going through and, and get to the place where you can be strong again. Hallelujah. If you need a prayer partner, link up with somebody you can trust and pray with them, fast with them together to overcome whatever challenge you're facing so that you don't feel like you're by yourself and you're alone. Hallelujah. Confide in one of the pastoral staff members. Ask them to pray with you. I have confidence on every one of them and that we have great, great leaders and they're very confidential as well. But it's important to understand that God called us to exhort one another. When we come together, he says, exhort one another. Encourage one another. Urge earnestly. Advise strongly. Hallelujah. I know some do. I got some feedback from some, some people. Yeah, I told so. You know what? You ought to be in church more often. <laughs> I said, you said, you told them that? She said, yeah. I just said, wow. If I, if I did that, you know, sometimes they'd be, they'd be too strong. They'd be offended. But they, would, they, they take some things, you know, it depends on who it is. Hallelujah. I see it from the pulpit too. Be here when the church doors are open. It's incumbent upon it, especially if you consider yourself a part of the body of Christ, right? Because the heart doesn't take a day off, neither does your head. Well, I think some people's brain takes a day off. I don't know. <laughs> sure seems like it sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> you're right. All the Uber and Lyft drivers say, yeah, I know. Amen. I know exactly what you're talking about, Pastor. <laughs> oh, glory. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but truthfully. In these last days, we need the church of Jesus Christ more than ever before. We need each other. We need to encourage each other, exhort one another, encourage each other, challenge each other. Hallelujah. And uh, it, it, this is the place where you and I can gain strength and, and your family will be taught truth. Truth is not being taught out in the world. It's not. And I think you can, you can safely say that we are. Standing on truth. If you don't believe that, then you're in the wrong place. But we stand for truth. Jesus called us to stand for truth and to preach the truth. We preach morals, good morals, biblical morals, good judgment. Amen. Health issues. Oh, hallelujah. There's great benefits of, of, of attending church. Health benefits, believe it or not. There are. If we walk right <laughs> <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm not going to digress there. I'm talking about the church of the living God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. More than anything, again, we need to be faithful. Jesus walks in Revelation 1. He walks among the golden candlesticks. He walks among the churches worldwide in the spirit. He's, he's here right now, walking down the aisles, and he's seeing what you're going to do, what you're going to say. It's not, he's not just looking for needs. He's looking, he's looking to see what you're going to offer him. How are you going to communicate to him? I'm not talking about money here, by the way. 
Oh, I'm not talking about offerings. Well, I'm, I'm talking about what you're going to offer of that talent that, that you have from him. And uh, whether it's praise. You know, we come here to praise God, to pray. So what are you going to do? Um, and his spirit, of course, encourages you and, 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 and it prompts you to the certain things. And so he's going up and down and said, where are you going to start? When are you going to do what you promised? And he's, he's dealing with your heart in a way that I can't. All I'm doing is preaching the word, trying to, and praying that God would somehow use that to preach to you maybe even a different sermon. Because I know many times when a, a man or woman of God preaches from this pulpit or any pulpit, you know, God preaches a different message sometimes. <laughs> to get a hold of one word, one, one line, and that works on it. And, and God's doing that. That's the way it works. And so, anyway, faithfulness. Faithfulness is so important. Faithful attendance. You need to be here. You need to learn to, to from the very beginning, from your born-again experience, to be faithful to the house of God. And I've tried to do that throughout my life as well, very early on. Even when I was going to college, and you know, I always made sure that my classes were clear on Wednesday night, that I, and if a work schedule, that I could always be off. In fact, one work schedule I had working at St. Elizabeth Hospital while I was still going to college. And I had a job uh, every night for four hours, going five to nine. But on Wednesday nights, I arranged for five to seven. And I still live here down here on East C Street, 2006, two-bedroom little apartment. That, hallelujah. <laughs> and, uh, and 10 after seven, I was home. I barely had time to shave, change jump in the car, and come down to church here for 7.30. I made it a commitment. I'm not here by accident. When you get to heaven, you won't get there by accident. You're going to have to make some commitments and stick by it. Hallelujah. You've got to put an importance and a value on church attendance because this is the body of Christ. And you have a role to fulfill. You've got some gifts and talents that you can Invest in the body, and you can encourage others in a way that only you can. Amen. So again, we're the called out ones, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Matthew 25, 23, the Lord said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Faithfulness. God is not interested in us, as the church, being successful as much as he is interested in us being faithful. Now, you have to be careful that we're successful. People, you know, think many different things. Some people think, well, God doesn't want us to be well-off financially. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. Success has nothing to do with finances. The kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It has nothing to do with how much money you got in the bank and how empty or how full your stomach is. It's all about righteousness, right standing with God. It's about your joy and your peace with the Lord. That's what the kingdom is all about. Praise the Lord. But success as a called out Christian from the world is if you're faithful to God, you're faithful to your call, and faithful to your message. Jeremiah preached all his life. He wrote two books in the Bible in the Old Testament. He, had one, he didn't have one new convert. Not one repentant Israelite upon whom the end of that generation came. And yet he was a successful man of God. Why? 
because he was faithful to God, faithful to his call, and faithful to his message. Matthew 13, 45 and 46, I come to the closing uh, feature of this teaching on the church. Matthew 13, 45, 46, I remind you again. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. A sinner, when we talk about the kingdom and all these parables, it's not talking about you and I selling everything we have. There's a different uh, version, a parable for that, you know, the, the, the field with, the great tre- with all the treasure. Selling everything you have so you can buy that field so you can have the treasure. That's about us. But, but this merchant man is not a sinner. A sinner has nothing to sell. Hallelujah. We're, we're poverty stricken in our sin. And we can certainly not save ourselves. We had nothing to purchase anything with. And our righteousness, if we think our own good works and our, our good, being, being good as a good person would save us, it's just filthy rags. So the Lord Jesus is the only one that fits the description in this parable as being that merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Hallelujah. Now, again, I remind you of this statement from Peter 1.18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your mouth, but you were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, redeemed, to buy or to pay off. It's to clear a payment. It's to recover. It's to redeem something. This is why Romans 8, 15 through 17 said, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. In other words, he purchased us. We're part of his body. And he spent a very valuable precious commodity to purchase your salvation and mine. Hallelujah. Jesus is that God who became flesh to purchase us. The pearl is that church. The pearl is the church. Now, I looked up some things about the pearl. I printed them out. I Googled it. Hallelujah. I, I, I wanted to see, first of all, how much a pearl's worth today. I mean, a lot of stuff is talked about, you know, investing in gold and silver and different things. But I didn't know that the different pearls are valued at different levels, just like anything else, I guess. But they say the value, this is uh, from resource, the pearl source. Ah, free two-day shipping. Ha-ha. <laughs> How much are pearls worth? The value of a pearl can vary dramatically depending on many factors such as its type, size, color, surface quality, and more. A wild pearl will be worth more than a cultured pearl, meaning out in the wild, out in the ocean, versus 
in a controlled environment where they put those oysters or whatever else they have to, to create those pearls. Okay, so out for a while. And the types of pearls, and I'll just start with the top one, the, the, the South Sea pearls. That's Indonesia, Myanmar, Philippines, and Australia, that Pacific region, South Sea pearls. Sourced pearls are considered the most valuable. They're also the largest pearl variety on the market. A strand, not one, but a whole necklace of a strand of South Sea pearls can range from 1000 to over $100,000. Now, back in the old days, pearls, more than anything, was, was the valuable commodity you looked for. That was uh, a good investment, a good dowry. In fact, even today, I was reading that they're encouraging people to buy pearls. You can always pass on the value. doesn't diminish. I was surprised. It's not like gold or silver. It does, it's not affected by the market. The, 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 the value of pearls has always been uh, very high. And so I began to look how a natural pearl uh, it, it forms. And it says this, a natural pearl, often called an oriental pearl, forms when an irritant works its way into a particular species of oyster, a mussel, or a clam as a defense mechanism. Get that. The mollusk secretes a fluid to coat the irritant. Layer upon layer of this coating is deposited on the irritant until a lustrous, shiny pearl is formed. Wow. Man, I could just see, you know, spirit all over this stuff. How hallelujah. Amen. But it, it is it's a pearl that Jesus was talking about, about a merchant that goes on for it. A pearl is not only valuable, it's also a symbol of unity. Because you see, those irritants that get inside that oyster or the clam, it's not just one speck. It's one after another. It's matter that is assimilated by, by the secretion of this defense mechanism. Uh, and there's a word for this. Uh, oh, what is that? It's called accretion. That's the process. It's where they accumulate the, this, these, these irritants, and it goes inside that clam, and then that clam re re releases that fluid uh, to, to make it less irritable. But when it does that, it neutralizes that irritation and puts that layer on that speck. But guess what? It doesn't stop there because there will be other grains of little irritants that will come in. And the same process is repeated. And all these little grains of irritants and everything keeps being added to that process. And that little speck becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until somebody comes along and harvests that pearl and pries that clam open and removes the pearl, and in a process, that clam dies. In other words, it has to die to give up its precious commodity. Hallelujah. Praise God. A pearl is perfect in its symbolism for unity, and it symbolizes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The pearl comes from the sea and not from the earth. It comes from out in the oceans. And the pearl is that church. With a tiny sand or grain or somewhat, you and I are those particles that come along. Hallelujah. And we come in towards the church. And what happens? 
God has a defense mechanism for what? His holiness. You know. He shed his blood. What happened on the cross? They lanced him on the side, and out comes water and blood. And that water and blood is what covers us, every one of us, worldwide. And all of us, every last one of us, are part of the church who are, who are, are, are at one point or another, these irritants, these, these, these things that are contrary to, to the nature of God and are brought in to himself and his blood covers us and one irritant after another, one saved soul and after that keeps being added on until we grow up into that beautiful pearl that is worldwide, the, the, the most beautiful, most valuable pearl that ever existed. And that's the church of the living God. Hallelujah. On Calvary, the blood became that fluid. And it became that accretion process by covering our sins. You know, when Adam needed a wife, stand with me, if you will. Andrew, you can come. You know, when Adam needed a wife, God opened Adam's side and took out a rib. It hurt his side, I imagine. I mean, God did major surgery there. But that, that cut on the side, that, that process resulted and turned into his joy. He went to sleep and God took a rib and built, created a woman. And he goes, wow. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. You shall be called woman for you have come out of man. They have became one. And it's the same with Jesus Christ and his church. Hebrews chapter 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's because of Calvary and his blood that we become his bride. And the bride of Christ is this great pearl came out of a side where flowed blood and water. And by that accretion, he put us into the bride of Christ. It cost him something. It hurt him. It came out of a side, but it turned to his joy. When he was on the cross, it was the joy that was set before him. That's what he saw down the end of the road, is the church that was going to be created as a result of his suffering and his bleeding. Or should we say his accretion? Hallelujah. And Jesus endured that cross for you and I. You know, God made Adam and then Eve. And when God made Eve, she did not make it from the earth as he did Adam. He made Eve from Adam, a living being, not from death. And when God created the church, he didn't create it from the earth either. Not from carnality, not from this earth. He created it from a living being. And that living being was God himself manifest in the flesh. And on Calvary, really, the church was being built. But on the day of Pentecost, God breathed life into her. And that church became alive. Can you say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. 
I want to close with Revelation 21, verse 12. I'll tell you what, I've, I've never seen this. I, I have to be honest with you. Revelation 21 and verse 12. Now let me start with verse 10. So if, I think I gave you verse 10 as well. And John saying, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which were the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates, and the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And then drop down to verse 21. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And a street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. The name of the twelve tribes were inscribed on the twelve gates. And the foundation had the name of the twelve apostles. Ephesians 2.20 says, We're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, that chief cornerstone. So we got to remember, we weren't always appealing to God. It's his blood that made us appealing. It's when he covered us, when he cleansed us, when he washed us, when he brought us into the church, which becomes that pearl of great price, of great beauty and great worth. It is his blood that made us valuable. Especially in his eyes. It's his righteousness that covered us. Praise the name of the Lord. But imagine this. In order to get into the city, the new Jerusalem, you have to go through the gates. And the gates are made of pearls. In other words, when you get saved, you have to come to the church. The church is that great pearl of great price. Hallelujah. Twelve gates, twelve pearls, representing the pearls of great price. One church. But imagine that. Anybody that wants to get saved, they have to come through the church, right? They don't go straight to God. It's this church that he established to preach the gospel to every creature. Now, where's that great pearl that he died for? When he looks down upon you and I today, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see that little grain of irritant, but he looks through his blood-stained eyes. And he sees in us that beauty, that value that his blood and spirit created us to be. Can you say praise the Lord? We have no value in ourselves, but the one who knows our value is the merchant, Jesus Christ. And he's the one that called us to this one body, this one church, invisible, indivisible, a spirit, a creature that we could and have to only born into. Can you say praise the Lord? Would you lift your hands and thank God? Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for calling us into your great church. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us the privilege to be in this great body of believers. Hallelujah. Your focus is on this great church. Thank you for shedding your blood. 
Thank you, Lord, for seeing in us the potential to be a part of your church, a part of your great pearl of great price. Lord, we bless you. We worship you. Help us, oh, Lord God, all to do your perfect will in our lives. Thank you. Thank you for your precious blood. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.